At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail, the ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod. We're here to talk about, I guess we'll say it's Michigan State roster season as Tyson Walker and probably Malik Hall will be returning to the Michigan State Spartans next year. Uh, we are recording this on April 10th at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So any news that happens after this confirmation, you know, we can't, <laughs> things may change as things change quickly in this business. Um, but before we begin, I just want a couple thanks for people who have joined our Patreon group. So Bill Church has joined us on the Cleves level, Mateen Cleves level. Uh, he also will qualify for a t-shirt in a couple of months. And so we'll get that to you, to you, Bill. Thank you so much for supporting the show. And also... Uh, for Mike Huntoon, who has joined the Draymond Green level. So thanks so much, Mike, uh, for your support. And I'd like to thank the other people who are in the Cleves level, or Brian O'Donnell and Chad Hickey. And then for those in the Draymond Green, additionally be Adam Walzak, Dan Rankin, Doug Robinson, James Benton, Jim L., Mike Bosnick, Mike Huntoon, obviously, Paul Marsh, and Scott Driscoll. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Uh, We really appreciate the show for the support. Uh, We put all this extra content out partly because we love talking about Michigan State basketball. We know you guys like listening to it. But also just, uh, again, your support makes all the difference. Uh, another great way to support the show, we have other levels in the, pa- in the Patreon, so you can also just support the Scott Skiles level. We just give a little bit of uh, money every month. You can go find out all those possibilities at thefinalforceontheschedule.com slash support, and you can find ways to, to either through Patreon or one-time gifts via PayPal or Venmo. So I guess we'll talk about the big news today, which... Of course, it's funny. Now these things happen always via Instagram, <laughs> right? There's, I guess there aren't any regular press releases anymore, right? So anyway, Tyson Walker announced. I was going to say, is it better or worse than press conferences? I would say it's probably better. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if you're an athlete or if you're a, you know, an entity of some sort, you control everything when it's your social media account, right? Like in the past, you yeah. had no control over it. They, all the gatekeepers, they could change the story, right? You, you make your announcement, they ask you some funny question, and next thing you know, it looks kind of different. Whereas now you can just be put out whatever message and whatever image you want in the whole process. So I, I do think it's better. I think it's a lot better when people control themselves. I, I'm also, I agree with all of that, but I'm also talking about from the news receiving side, it's, it's a lot better to get it via Instagram, in my view, than it is to, for them to have a press conference and to listen to, you know, eight inane questions get asked. And that's, <laughs> I, I don't mean to knock the press. I understand they got a job to do. And unfortunately we've, we've formalized and ritualized this stuff into a ridiculous Kabuki dance most of the time. And I'm not just talking about sports, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I think it's better. 
Yeah, <laughs> all the right. way around. And our expectation too, they're all indications that Malik Hall will also return yeah. for his COVID year. And so for those just new to <laughs> college basketball, we had this thing called COVID and the players who were playing uh, during that time get an extra year. And so if you're a junior, finish your junior year, you still are, you're the last year who can actually qualify for a COVID extra year. So you can get an extra year of eligibility. And that would include on this team, year's team, it would be uh, Mati Sissoko, right? So he, he's, a, I think kind of, a, or um, uh, uh, AJ Hogard. I think they're both Correct. Going to be seniors next Correct. year. So they could potentially be seniors or senior juniors. I don't exactly know <laughs> what you call them, right? but they can get an extra year beyond this. Uh, and, you know, even, walk-ons like Steven Izzo is coming back for another year <laughs> since he was a senior. Yep. So he'll come back for his uh, super senior year. I think he'll have completed his master's program by then. I think, I think he finishes degree in three years and was working his master's already. Most of these guys, at least at MSU, that seems to be, you know, that was the scenario with Joey Hauser, who we'll, we'll also talk about, but um, yeah. Um, they frequently, because they take classes over the summer, uh, and, and I believe they get in this accelerated, uh, program before their freshman year, actually, you know, freshman year of eligibility actually starts as I think most listeners are probably aware it's usual for MSU basketball players to arrive on campus late May, beginning of June. That's why they're able to play money ball and all of that. But they're, what you might not be aware of is they're also taking classes, it's part of this acclimation program that they developed a long time ago to get guys in smoothly. So by the time the fall rolls around, they are completely in the swing of things, you know? Right. So all of that means that they're usually, most of these guys are on track. As you say, frequently they're, they've got their bachelors in three years. And so they're set up to, uh, if they were to stay a fifth year, to actually have a master's completed. I know Joey Hauser has his master's, um, you know, but in Tyson and Malik's case, I'm not sure where they are. I believe Malik graduated. I know he's not graduating this spring, so he might be in that position as well where he's able to, um, I, I don't recall what his situation is, but in any event, at the very least, they'll be well down the road. Yeah to earning a master's degree, which is just fantastic. I mean, apart, and we focus on the basketball stuff here as, you know, as we should, <laughs> yeah. but, but I, I will tell you this as not just as a, a longstanding fan of the program, but as an alum, I am very proud of the fact that Michigan state's basketball program has made academic achievement, um, a must not a, not an option, not a, well, it's nice if you want to take advantage of it because it's not that way everywhere. Right. It really isn't. And it's a point of emphasis at Michigan state. I mean, I don't know that we ever got a chance to ask him, which is on us for not doing it. But the two times we've had Mike Garland here, one of the things we should have talked to him about, and I don't think we got around to it, was his role as kind of the academic enforcer. Yeah, right. And I'm sure some of our listeners are aware of this, but just in case there are some who aren't, you know, one of one of Coach Garland's roles was he was the guy who showed up outside a dorm at, you know, 740. <laughs> 
<laughs> in the morning, making sure that guys were on time to their eight o'clock class. I mean, that was something he did regularly. And, and it shows you how seriously academics are treated in the program. So I do, as, a, as I say, as a fan and an alum, I take pride in what Michigan State basketball has, has always been about. And that goes back to Judd's time, too. It's not just Tom Izzo. Uh, in terms of making sure that academics are actually treated seriously. They're not, they're not a, yeah, you got to do some bare minimum stuff so we keep you eligible. I mean, that's, that's not, that's not what it's ever been about. And um, so it's, it's great to see those guys in that position. Yeah. You can definitely, because you know, the percentage, no matter how great you are, the likelihood of you actually playing professionally for any sort of length of career is, is pretty minimal. Right. I mean, right. Uh, you know, obviously higher at Michigan state than if you're, you know, Jackson state or something, but for sure that education is going to be most likely worth something to you later. And look, even if it even if it happened, all you need to see is take a look around at all the guys who were very good players at Michigan State and who had lengthy careers, let's say even overseas. Uh, eventually, that ends, and it ends fairly quickly. It's usually even for guys who have successfully done it. Best case scenarios, it's ending in your early to mid thirties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got a lot of life left a lot of life. And most of these guys are not earning They're They're well paid even as an overseas professional player, but they're not earning the kind of money that sets them up for the rest of their life. And they don't have to worry anymore. Right. There are very few guys who have come through the program. I mean, and you know who they are. They're the guys who have, you know, been in the NBA that are in that position, you know, but that's not most of them. So to have your degree and, and God, we see it, just, just take a look at all the former Spartans that are uh, working for Matt Ishbia's company, Yeah, um, UWM. I mean, that's, you can say, well, yeah, that's their teammate, but that's true, but to an extent, but those guys all needed their degrees. They needed to be able to be in a position and, and, you know, I don't know Matt Ishbia, but I have to believe that you don't build a company as successful as his with acts of charity, right? <laughs> he's bringing, and I know for sure, you know, Adam Wolf is, I believe is their head legal counsel internally. I think he's definitely in that department. Guys like Chris Hill have very serious. So there's, it's not just, you know, uh, well, let's bring in some ex players to, to kind of liven up the place. I mean, those guys, have have used their educations to put themselves in position to have a great life after basketball was over. So yeah, it matters. That actually reminds me of something totally unrelated, but uh, I saw that, you know, the third highest player in the Cincinnati Reds this season is Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> He's 53 years old. Uh, you don't have those kind of legacy contracts in basketball for sure. <laughs> the all-timer, the all-timer. And it gets brought up. I forget what the date is that it happens, but it gets brought up every year. Bobby Bonilla, who was right. yeah, yeah. for those who are too young to remember, was a great player with the Pirates. But but his free agency deal was with the Mets. And it was, I forget how many years. It's still going on. He still gets paid. <laughs> and yeah, so the, <laughs> along the same lines of what you're talking about. But anyway. Well, so, you know, I think let's let's look at the 
the Michigan State team in roster now, uh, we have, I don't even know if we mentioned, I think we did, that Pierre Brooks has moved on. He actually, uh, on Saturday or Sunday, announced. Yeah, we might have mentioned that it happened. but Yeah, anyway. I, well, and he certainly didn't have a landing place. And now we know that he's going to end right. up at Butler uh, under Thad Mata, which I think is a good place for him. Uh, it's a major, pro, uh, you know, major program, obviously, uh, the Power 5 plus 1. I just want to, an aside, I agree with that. I think, you know, he's playing for another great coach. And Thad Mata, I don't think Thad's in the, I'm positive he's not in the Basketball Hall of Fame, um, but he's good enough oh, yeah. to be there. And so he's playing for another great coach. Um, I do wonder, you know, the Thad Mata that I know, and I didn't see a lot of Butler this year, but the Thad Mata that coached at Ohio State was just as serious about defense as Tom is. Yes. So if Pierre's going to make a breakthrough, I would think he's still going to have to improve defensively, but I think that's a great landing for him in the big East. So he's staying with a big, in a big time conference. He's getting in on the ground floor of a rebuild. I think there are opportunities there for him Yeah, a reset. to play a major role. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but one thing is very interesting to me about this. MSU hasn't had a lot of guys go into the portal. I'm, I'm trying to think we had, we had foster lawyer, Thomas Kithier. And is this only the third guy? No, I mean, I Marble went to Texas. scholarship A&M. players. Marble oh, went to Marble. scholarship That's to right. Texas A&M. That's yeah. right. That's right. Isn't, I am struck by something. Most of these guys, if you follow this stuff on Twitter, let's say, you'll see this is for most guys, at least most guys coming from big time programs or aspiring to get to a big time program. This becomes a, a high school recruitment all over again. You have lists that are, you know, 20 schools long and then it gets whittled down yeah. and then there's a graphic, and, <laughs> right. you know, top five. And it's all that. I don't think we've seen that with any of these guys who have left Michigan No, they State, show up somewhere. I had, yeah. I had no idea that Pierre, who Pierre Brooks was looking at none. Yep. Didn't know it about lawyer. Didn't know it about Kithier. Didn't know it about Marble. The only thing we knew about Marble was that it was likely to be a Texas based school because he was transferring to be closer to home, but that's it. Yep. Um, it is remarkable. And I, and I have to think that some of it is a result of Michigan state playing at least an assisting role in the process I think you're right. of helping these guys identify good landing spots. You know, I'm not sure on Pierre's in Pierre's case, what the deal was, but, um, you know, it's a great, it, regardless, it, it happened very quickly, very quietly. And he landed in a great spot. So good for him. Yeah, no, I think again, like you mentioned, good, good coach and somebody who's going to hold him accountable, which is, I think everyone agrees. That's what he needs both from his, you know, physical yeah. his, his body and his conditioning into the fact that he's got to play defense. If he wants to be successful, yep. I mean, his dad's a coach, right? I mean, I think the kids yep. seems pretty self-aware, but I think the, the reality was there's no, there weren't going to be no minutes from this season. I mean, with what they've got coming in, this is even before Walker and, and Hall. Yeah. yeah, announced, yeah. I mean, barring yeah. injuries, they're just, I yes. think he's sort of his there run his course here, right? He, his operative, we talked about it during yeah. the season. He had an opportunity on a couple of occasions this year where there were stretches where the bench was thin because of injury and MSU was in a position where they had to play him. And that was an opportunity for him to carve out a role going forward. He could take that jump or fall behind. And unfortunately 
the latter happened. You know, um, it's uh, look, I'll freely admit, and I, I'm despite what some might think I'm fully capable and ready of admitting when I've made a bad call and I made a bad call on Pierre because I really did think that Pierre Brooks had it within him to be an impact guy, especially I thought maybe later in his career. Um, I, his, his conditioning is kind of hard for me to understand because I thought he did a pretty good job later in his high school career of getting that handled. I really didn't anticipate it was going to be the issue that it became. Um, and that was unfortunate. And I think that had a lot to do with his on-court struggles, because I think it's hard to be the kind of defender you need to be at Michigan state. If you're not in optimal shape. And, and I think I agree with you about the self-awareness part. When you listen to Pierre speak and he's a smart kid, he was an academic achiever in high school. I've never heard that that really changed at MSU. Um, so he's a smart guy. I just, I think that, and we've probably all experienced this in our lives. And most of us have where you can be aware and understand of an issue, a problem that you're facing, and you can, you're able to articulate it to others. But when it comes down to actually fixing it, you just can't find whatever it is, mm-hmm. the impetus within yourself to do the things that you know you have to do in order to change. And I think that's what happened. I think he's aware. I just think for whatever reason, he wasn't able to find that motivation within himself. And, you know, ultimately, especially with the kind of things we're talking about, like conditioning, like really working at the technical aspects of being a high level basketball player, which involve things like becoming a film junkie, for example. Um, I just, those are things that, you know, they can lead you to that water, but they can't make you drink as the cliche goes, Mm -hmm. you have to find it within yourself. And that's, you know, sometimes uh, uh, because college basketball is a coach centric sport more than any other, I think even more than football. I think the coaches are the celebrities in college basketball oh, for sure. yeah. and, and we give them a ton of credit or blame for development for guys getting better, but you know, ultimately, and this is for a lot of reasons, not least of which is the fact that NCAA rules limit how much time you can actually spend coaching guys in season and out of season. It's all a coach can really do is provide the best possible structure for development and improvement to happen within. Ultimately, it's always going to be first and foremost up to the player to do those things, to take advantage. The coach can't force you. And I just think for whatever reason, Pierre had seemed to have some problems in, in getting to where he needed to be. But, you know, let's hope for the best for him. I'll be rooting for him. Um, and I think he, you know, I, I, at least in terms of, well, did he end up somewhere where he could still make a really good career for himself out of basketball? Did he land with someone who really knows the game and can coach it at a high level? You check on all of those. Yep. So I'm happy for him. Yeah, no, I think it's absolutely right. And I know people are screaming into their, uh, 
into their phone right now or whatever. Rocket Wasp would be the other person who's transferred recently that I think ah, you probably correct. We've been thinking about correct. Who has right. I, some, I forget has somewhat uh, a little bit of similar story, right? Uh, that uh, Pierre Brooks. That was a different one, though. You know, that's a that's a fair point because that one there was a lot of talk, and it wasn't as blown up as some of these uh, portal situations are. But there was more talk. He was not one that just kind of popped up out of the blue one day and oh he found a school yeah so that is an important distinction to draw but i think in most of these cases you see a similar pattern with msu guys and i think it's i have to believe some of that at least is msu's involvement right yeah i, I don't think there's any question i think i think Izzo, at least my impression is he has a fairly close relationship with his players and for the most part and knows what they want. And yep. I think they counsel each other as far as, you know, what's going on. And I think that kind of go, leads into the first, I guess, discussion point here. Uh, when you look at, you know, we've talked about it many times, there are 200 minutes in a game, right? There are four player, or five players playing 40 minutes. And there are now going to be a lot of scholarship players in this team, players who are good enough to play. And, you know, they can't all play at the same time, yep. right? And so minute distribution is going to be a big thing this season uh, you know i i guess that's the that has got to be a discussion that is has got to be having with the players right now like because we had a lot of players playing over 30 minutes last season i cannot envision a lot of no. 34 35 minute games outside of something that's weird the first, over time that's or whatever thing you're gonna see change yeah i mean i that's think that's the first thing gonna, you're gonna which see would dictate change. probably a change in the style of play too in summer i would assume uh that the, yeah I, I this all takes into account assume makes the assumption that there are no you know major injuries and problems like that of course but um you know walker and and hall returning pretty much returns the entire the starting five and we're assuming at this point hauser's not returning but i guess we don't know he hasn't really announced oh, yet let's, one way or the let's other. talk let's talk about that. all right let's talk about that first in the minutes there's yeah before we get into minutes because that is the unresolved one and i think most people even people who are dialed in to what's going on have been operating under the assumption that Joey was dumb. Um, as we said, he's got his masters. We were just talking about that. Um, he's been in, he's been at Michigan state for four years. And then he did a year at Marquette before that. Um, now he, he wouldn't, he would have to apply for a medical waiver to get another year, but everything I've heard is he would almost certainly get that if he applied, but nevertheless, the way he spoke toward the end of the season. And then after the season, the things that I had heard suggested, yeah, he's done, but <laughs> some things have come up recently right. within the last week or so um, that maybe throw that into question a little bit, which would have an impact on what Michigan state does uh, going forward. Were they to come to pass? Um, I'm not going to get into specifics because that's, that's not for me to say, but suffice it to say that the NIL package that I have been told from a couple different directions and it's very reliable information. The, uh, the package that was on the table for Joey, if he opted to return was substantial. Now I'm not going to say it was Oscar to Shebway bunny, 
he got he made four million reportedly to wow. play at Kentucky last year. Whoa. It wasn't it wasn't that. Um, but I think it's safe to say that it was significantly more money than would be realistic for Joey to earn in a first year professional basketball. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think he'll be a lottery pick. Right. So right, yeah. or a first rounder. I don't think he'll be drafted at all. So given that what would be realistic for him to earn this would i don't think i'm exaggerating here this would dwarf that i don't think that's too strong so consequently that has to make any reasonable person think twice and that is in fact what's been going on um my understanding was he was very much of a mind that you know what i've done this this is a phase of my life I enjoyed, but it's over. I'm ready to move on to the next thing. This has come up. Um, he loves MSU. So it's not a, hey, I can't stand another day of listening to Tom Izzo chirp at me. It's not that. It's just, you know, and, and we all know this. You, you reach milestones or points in your life where you really do feel ready to say, okay, what's the next thing? Yeah, the next stage of life. Yeah. Right. And so that's kind of the dynamic. And, and by the way, this is something I, I posted about this on Spartan Mag a, a day or so ago. You are seeing this all around the country. There are guys just, you know, MSU's guys, obviously, we're just talking about these two are an example of it. Um, I think it was yesterday on Sunday, you had uh, the big kid from UConn, Klingon, mm-hmm. who is seen as a possible late first rounder this year. And Boogie Ellis, who we saw play for USC. Both of those guys announced their returns. That doesn't happen in a pre-NIL world. Right. So, so consequently, what we're seeing is one of the bigger shifts, especially now and even into next year, because you have this the intersection of NIL and, and the COVID, and COVID year yeah. allowing you to play that extra year. It means that we are seeing better players staying in college for longer. It has reversed a lot of what had gathered momentum over the previous 10, 20 years. You know, say 30 years ago, the only guys who went in early were, generally speaking, bona fide stars. Right. You know, and then over time, that started to change. And it got to the point where it became, you know, you had to think about, well, when does the clock start on your rookie deal in the NBA? So you should try to get to it as early as possible. Or just eh, guys are sick of playing for free in college, even if they have to go overseas or play in the G League, at least they're making money mm-hmm. doing what they love and they don't have to deal with going to class, blah, blah, blah. So we had that momentum ever increasing. Well, NIL has reversed that for sure, but not with everybody. The money talks, but there are some guys who still look at it and say, well, okay, but I'm, I'm ready to move on to the next phase of my life. MSU had it last year. You know, Gabe Brown and, and Marcus Bainham could have come back. Now, I think in, you know, Marky got hurt, but Gabe Brown has had a great year in the G League. And so I think you can say that maybe that was the right decision for him. You know, it seems to be playing out okay. And I think it, it looks to me like he's going to have a shot to earn his way into the NBA this summer in somebody's camp. So that's great. Um, in Joey's case, uh, look, the, the latest I was told is that 
a decision would be forthcoming over the next week or so ish somewhere in that time frame and part of that was going to involve him getting some feedback as to what his professional prospects look like now i'm not talking about formal workouts or any of that stuff but just to get a better sense from reliable people as to where he sits and that once that took place he'd make a final decision you can read into the walker and what we're assuming is going to be the malik hall situation decisions that perhaps there's a, a strong indication as to which way that's going to go and i would still push comes to shove i would probably bet on his not returning although i got to tell you what i've heard <laughs> that, that nil deal was it's pretty something. nice yeah i mean it would be it would be the kind of thing that would give any reasonable person pause to say well maybe i can do another nine months or a year yeah. um but i i if he were to return that would complicate this minutes issue massively even for much much further yeah, yeah. and so when when this when this came out and I heard about this that oh gosh this is actually serious like this might happen it became pretty clear to me that it would be hard to see a world where both Joey and Malik return mm-hmm. I don't think it affects Tyson Walker at all but but Joey and Malik it's hard to see you know with Xavier Booker it, it's just hard to see how that would all play out so the fact that Malik is, you know, we expect a, a, a formal announcement is, I mean, I've heard it's done, but um, that a formal announcement is forthcoming. You can read into that. That almost certainly means Joey does not come back, but, you know, until he says it definitively, you, you can never entirely say never, but I just don't know how Michigan State would make it work. So we're going to assume for the purposes of this discussion that Joey is not coming back. But I, I just put that out there so people understand um, that that talk that started circulating late last week was absolutely real. Yeah. And it was real in a way that would make any reasonable person say, well, I got to think about this, you know, but I, I just, I think Joey's kind of reached and in the best possible way. I mean, he goes out after a great season where he was as consistent as anybody they had. And I, I you know, he's got his masters. He, he goes out on a high note, mm-hmm. you know, I think feeling good. And, and with the fan base, like Joe, when Joey Hauser comes back to East Lansing, um, people are going to have positive memories. Cause that's the last, those are the last things he left us with. Yeah. Right. You know, they're going to feel really good about him as a guy who was, was a Spartan. You know, yeah, it's it's hard to envision him having a much better uh, encore year than what he had. I mean, I guess you'd say well, he had national championship or something like that, and he could be critical of that. But it would be team stuff. But it would be, it would team, be team yeah. stuff. It, I don't think yeah. individually. I don't know that. I don't know that he could do more. I think he showed you. You look at the way. I mean, he shot like forty six percent from three on high volume. He was a very good defensive rebounder. He he handled the ball and, and passed better than he had previously. I mean, I, I got better defensively. I think the things that aren't strengths for him 
I don't know that they ever really can become strengths. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Right. He, he's, he is who he he's is. He's not going to become a, yeah, he's not going to become a 15 rebound a night guy. He's about as good a rebounder as I think he's going to be, yeah. you know, defensively, he maybe can continue to get a little better shape. Although I think he made, I mean, he made great progress over his time at MSU in that area and his understanding defensively of what he needed to do. He could get better, but I don't think he's, he's not going to ever become Dennis Rodman. You know, and he's probably never going to be a great post up player. So, yeah, I would agree. I think you saw pretty much, you know, close to the the best of what you were going to see out of Joey Hauser, what he was capable of at this point in his career. Yeah. And I and I think, you know, the other reality, too, is looking at the team, if you're Joey. I mean, you're, you're not going to get scores much. You're not going to, you're, the opportunities are just going to be less because of the minutes situation is going to be different no matter what, no matter what you met, you know, how much your NAL deal is. Right, right. Right, exactly. Uh, so, let, okay, let's talk about Tyson Walker. He's the one who announced today. Uh, last season, he uh, averaged forty-six percent from the field. He was forty-one and a half percent from three on you know fifty-nine of one hundred and forty-two, so pretty good volume. Uh, practically eighty percent from the free throw line, averaging um, two and a half rebounds a game. Uh, he had about ninety-eight re- uh, assists and 40, thirty-eight steals, only forty-three turnovers. So. Over two to one assist to turnover ratio, a couple yep. of blocks. Uh, you know, he's a lockdown defender for, I, mean, you, I guess you argue he could get bullied occasionally, but, and his, his play last year compared to the year before, previously is, was you know, night and day, whereas his aggressiveness on offense, he was as good as we had assumed he could be. And he showed it. And even, even more so, even at the, I'd say even at the back half of the Big Ten season where he really started just taking over some games. So, I mean, him coming back is a huge boost for the team. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the question with him and then I guess with Malik is, is uh, what, what does it mean for the freshman coming in? Right. Cause I, I, you have to assume the freshman they committed fears, Booker, Norman and Carr did not expect Hall or Walker to come back. I mean, I, I'm sure they didn't know. You never know for sure, but I'm sure that assumption is that they're probably not going to come back. Uh, and so now it's just going to, you know, obviously complicate the opportunities for coming in and getting minutes. You know, I don't, what do you, what do you think about that? I think that, uh, Tom Izzo knows what he's doing. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, no, fun. I know it. And, it. and you gotta, and you gotta make it broader than that too, because we should, we should touch on, on this. Um, because it's something we haven't really talked about here. I've talked about it oh, a fair amount Jayden, yeah. on the internet and that's Jaden Akins. Yeah. Um, so there was, I, I know some people want to act as if this wasn't real, but I assure you it was, um, there was some concerns, uh, that Jaden Akins might look to leave not because of minutes. So that's the thing. It's, these are always the complicated things. You can't just look at, well, Jay Nakins played whatever he played, 29 minutes a game, whatever it was. Um, why would he be unhappy? Well, it's not just about minutes. It's about role. Yeah, what you're doing. It's yeah, about right. what are the things that you're asked to do and what implications might that have for the next step in your career, being a pro. Jay Nakins has every reason to be concerned about what will set him up best to be an NBA player because he has that potential. Unlike a lot of other guys on the Michigan State roster, Tyson Walker is a fantastic basketball player. 
And I would not rule out that he can find his way to an NBA career because he could, but he does not have the same potential for that that Jaden Akins has. So Jaden Akins, and that's for a variety of reasons, but so I understand it. And, and you also have to understand this. Jaden Akins was recruited to Michigan State as a guy who was going to spend a lot of time on the ball. That's what they recruited him as. Didn't mean he was ever exclusively going to be a point guard, but the anticipation was going to have the ball in his hands a lot. That's how he was recruited. At the point they signed him, A.J. Hogard hadn't yet played a minute for Michigan State, so you didn't know what you had there. And Tyson Walker wasn't even a glimmer in Tom Izzo's eye <laughs> yeah. at that stage. Well, then those two guys, you know, A.J. Hogard emerges, eventually proves he can play at this level. Tyson Walker gets recruited in. He can play. All of a sudden, there's really not much of a role for Jade Nakins on the ball. Now, if you look at the way he played this season, particularly once he got fully reacclimated and healthy, he had an outstanding year overall. There are a lot of things he could do better, but 40% plus shooter from three, especially later in the year, he started to show more of his ability to go off the dribble and to the basket to finish. Um, he had some games where he looked like an elite rebounder, and he's a very high-level defender. So there's a lot to like. But he was not doing a lot on the ball. If you look at the situations where Michigan State – was in pick and roll, very rarely was that Jade Nakins. Right. Usually Jade Nakins was spotting up on the arc. He was an outlet for somebody to kick to, and then he'd shoot a three. That's great, but it's understandable to me why a guy in that position might think, might wonder, is this best for my potential, for my career development, or should I be in a place where they're putting the ball in my hands and saying, it's your thing, you know, because yeah. he's Jay Nakins for all his potential. He's not six, seven, he's six, three. So does he look at it and think for me to have a, the best possible shot at being an NBA player at my size, do I need to show that I can play on the ball more than I'm showing here? This was the thought process and it was real. And there was honest because this Tyson Walker thing's been in the works for a long time. Yeah. I'm talking about during the season. This is not a surprise. So it's not a surprise to Jaden. And, you know, a few weeks ago, this was an honest concern. Um, my understanding is, I mean, look, you can never say never to anything these days. Yeah, sure. So is it a mortal lock? Has Jaden Nakin signed a blood oath that he's going to be back at Michigan State? No. But every indication I have suggests that he is. He's been fully participating in team activity. Um, just he, he's all in from everything we've everything that's known. Um, so I would not expect him to leave, which is a great thing. And it was it was the thing that was said by anybody who knew what was going on is look, these are the concerns. There's some validity to them. If you're being honest and you can be dispassionate, take off your Michigan state fan hat for a second and look at it from another perspective. But Tom Izzo is going to get his crack at bat and Tom Izzo is pretty good at being able 
to help guys see what's truly in their best interests. And I believe that's what happened here. So I don't think it's going to impact him. Um, I, I would be surprised if he's not, if there aren't more opportunities for Jaden to play with the ball in his hands, that doesn't mean he becomes the point guard, but I just mean that they find ways as I think they started to do actually late in the year. If you were paying attention, you know, the things that Jaden did at times in the tournament is indicative of what I'm talking about. He, he would get the ball in his hands and he would look to take somebody off the dribble. Mm-hmm. He wasn't doing that as much earlier this year. And it's not because he's not capable. It's that, you know, that wasn't expected of him. That the feeling was it wasn't needed of him. I think that will continue to evolve and to give him those opportunities. But um, it goes to show you, man, it, it is a complex picture. And you can't just look at it as one factor or even two factors are what decides everything. It can be a lot of different things. So we talk about him. We go back to that freshman class. Um, I think, and you touched on it earlier in the discussion, you are not going to see as many guys in the 30s in terms of minutes played. And I think that's one way this gets addressed. I would expect, and I would hope, it'll be interesting to see what Izzo says when all the dust has firmly settled on this stuff. But I have to believe that his expectation is he is going to look to get back to running more. Mm -hmm. And that alone is going to that. And plus, I think he would prefer, he would have preferred this year to not have to play those guys, those minutes he talked about. So you're going to have a better product on the floor if guys aren't worn down. And so I, I think, I think this freshman class probably doesn't play as much as might have been speculated. They would six months ago because of this, uh, particularly Xavier Booker, I think is going to be an interesting situation, but, um, I definitely think they're going to play. I don't, I don't think, you know, the, the one guy would would be Norman yeah, that I, I would wonder too. about, but, but the thing to keep in mind there is there's a couple things that Garrick Norman provides that they didn't have much of this year. And that's real size on the wing. You know, they didn't have a lot of that. Basically, you know, it, hall, when he played the wing, gave them that and Pierre Brooks, but Pierre Brooks wasn't playing a lot late in the year. You know, Gary Norman's like six, five. So he gives you that kind of bigger wing that they didn't have. And then shooting. If you can stick a shot and you can check at all, you can find your way into some minutes. So I don't rule that out with him. Yeah. Not at all. Not yet. But the other three guys are obviously at least right now, you could see clearer paths to them playing roles, how big those roles will be. It, it, it just remains to be seen, but you know, I, I look at somebody like Jeremy fears and I think, is there an opportunity for him to play, you know, 15 minutes a night? Yeah, potentially there is, you know, it, it depends on, it depends on him and it depends on how much Izzo wants to limit guys minutes. So they're not exhausted come March. 
Um, but I, I think there are opportunities because I think Jeremy Fears does certain things that are always going to be valued at Michigan State. You know, um, yeah, what does that do to Trey Holloman's role? Well, that remains to be seen. I'm still bullish on Trey Holloman in terms of his future, but is, is he in a position where, you know, he's, he's got to really fight to retain a consistent role? Yeah, maybe. You know, um, the Booker situation is the most interesting one because I think anytime you got a top 10 recruit, the expectation of the modern era is, well, that guy is going to start. Yeah, and, right. And probably play a key role. But now, I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I could see, I, I wouldn't automatically assume it's Malik Call because I could see a situation where Izzo might look at it and say, I love Malik Call as my sixth man because mm-hmm. I can bring him in on the wing. I can bring him in at the four and I can use him wherever I need to. And, and I like having that experience and that punch coming in with a second unit, you know? Yeah. Um, I can see that, but there's a distinct possibility that Malik is the starter at the four. That's also in play. The thing you have to love, absolutely love is Malik Hall can absolutely be used to hold Xavier Booker accountable. Right. Cause we talked about that before the season started. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I was told back in the fall when, when, you know, there was not an assumption necessarily that Malik would return that the one spot MSU might look to the portal for would be of a veteran four man who was okay, not necessarily playing 30 minutes a night, but could really give them that reliability defensively. And in terms of overall accountability and be used to hold Xavier accountable. Well, They've got that deluxe <laughs> with Malik Call now. So now we should say that because we haven't touched on it yet. You know, Malik had surgery right over the weekend and for that foot. And I think it's great that it got handled now because by handling it now, and I don't they haven't announced the particulars yet. And I haven't heard a lot of detail. I had only heard that he had had it. Um, and then there were some pictures that got published. He had it in uh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, the surgery. Um, but I would have, so we don't know yet what the anticipated timeline is for recovery, but my assumption would be by having it in early April, I would like to think that a full summer is still on the table for him, you know, like eight weeks recovery seems reasonable. Yep. That's, and I yeah. wouldn't think it would be a lot more than that unless something didn't go right. So that means June, you know, so that gives you a full summer, which is huge. You know, what you don't want is you don't want the guy, you know, with a long layoff and coming back in, you know, mid September, like that would be tougher. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the, that's the caveat with the bully call situation is we're assuming he's healthy. And, and, you know, look, it, it, he was rarely, if ever healthy this year. I mean, so when you look at the way he played, you have to keep that in mind. The foot problem was there all along. He had a back problem later in the year and, uh, those things impacted. I mean, 
you know, one way you could look at it is Malik shot 43% from three as a junior. He shot 36% as a sophomore. This year, he was at 40% up until the point he got hurt at Illinois. And then he came back and he really struggled once he came back from the re-aggravation of the foot injury. And he ended up at 32%. He's not a 32% shooter. Now, between them, can he and Xavier Booker come close to offsetting what MSU lost with Joey Hauser in terms of three-point shooting? Uh, I think Malik, when he's right, can be a 40% plus guy and shooting is one of the better things Booker does. So I do not take it off the table that they could. Um, but I, I'm confident that a healthy Malik Hall could give MSU absolutely what it needs at that spot. Yeah. I mean, you saw that during the Kentucky game, right? I think it's, it's easy to forget how good he was the very first few games yeah. of the season, Gonzaga and then Kentucky. He was really good. And he looked like Michigan State's best player. I mean, I don't think there's any question I think question there is a that, case right? he was their best and player. And then he got yeah. injured and just never quite got back. I We even commented that when he came back the first time from injury, he looked like himself, and he like he did before he was injured. And I think he did, but that lasted very a short period of time. And then he got, re, got re-injured in Illinois and was never the same, right? And and it's easy. Yes. It, I know people are like kind of ragging on him and begging him. I, I just don't think it was fair. I think it's easy to forget because it wasn't that long a stretch of time that he looked really good before he got injured. And I you know, just never had a chance to come back. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, that's why this is a great thing that he's, he's, you know, we're anticipating that he's going to have an opportunity to, to have one more go, assuming he's healthy, you know, it would not, I would expect in fact that his story will have a similar overall outcome to the one Joey just had. Yes. That's what I would expect. I think a healthy Malik Hall is a dynamite college basketball player And, and he's not exactly the same guy as Joey, but in some ways he's better. Mm-hmm. He's a better defender. Yep. Um, I think he's better and craftier in terms of what he can do on the interior and how he can get there. And then, you know, you take into account the value of just having played so much basketball for Michigan state. It's huge. Yeah. Well, Izzo went into the East Lansing portal and got a great guy. So good for him. It's nice to see him using the portal, uh, bring a guy back from, for another year. Um, so then I guess, I guess, you know, when you look at things, 
you know, the question, of course, is going to be what's going to happen if if Joey were to come back. It's really hard to envision how this works. I mean, I think Izzo is really good about maintaining minutes. I know that was sort of Dwayne Stevens' job in the past, and I don't know who it was this year, to be honest, but um, I'm that'll have to be a focus. I mean, obviously you run more, so you can try and so people don't want to play 35 minutes, but uh, I, I think, too, he's they're going to be, he's very conscious about that. I mean, and I'm sure like with your discussion with Jane Akins, I mean, I'm sure Izzo's had this conversation, like this is how we're going to use you. This is what I envision things working when Malik and Tyson are back. You know, this is how you're going to, the offense is going to run. And it's going to be, because, you know, you can highlight Akins, which I thought we see more this last season, which we never saw his explosiveness getting to the basket on like a break. We never really saw that much this season. And I know he's got it. Uh, and then also for the board for pull up uh, threes and stuff. So I, I mean, there's a lot more to his game, but again, I think all these things Izzo has gone over these players with, and probably, you know, Tyson coming back, he's probably said, hey, look, you're not going to be playing 36 minutes a game. You know, if you come back, we'd love to have you. There are all these things, but you're going to be able to rest more, you know, maybe you're playing 28, 29, 30 minutes. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I think these players have every, they know exactly what they're coming into. I don't think that anyone's going to be surprised. Just you're going to add four new personalities and, you know, how are they going to mesh and those sorts of things you don't know until it actually happens. But um, I guess I guess the concern I would have is that what happens to the booker because these players, you know, have people who talk to them. And, you know, how are they how is he going to be with this role that's going to be different than probably he may have anticipated? Right. Look, um, the thing that encourages me about Xavier Booker is that at least in terms of what he said and those around him have said about why he came to Michigan State would line up very well with the situation he's going to be in. Yeah. Um, and so you never know for sure how that actually comes to pass once they're in it. But um I think that bodes well. I think the other thing is that we we assume that guys who are ranked where he's ranked are, you know, automatically on the one and done path. And he might be, you know, but um, I think that the thing that, and this has been talked about a lot, this class overall is not on the level of most years. It's, in other words, Xavier Booker would not necessarily be a top 10 guy most years. He is in this class, but he primarily is not so much for what he's done productivity wise, but for the potential that he possesses. He's 6'11 with very good ball skills and athleticism for his position. I don't just mean running and jumping, but the way he moves is suggestive of a guy who isn't going to necessarily have to be a post player. <clears throat> In fact, probably won't be at the next level. Um, but that's all potential stuff. So where does he get to this year remains an open question. And I think, you know, there are a fair number of people who would say this is almost an ideal situation because he will be able to be eased in. He won't have to play 25, 30 minutes a night. And that will actually be the best possible thing for his development. If he buys into that, well, then great, you know, um, but it remains to be seen. 
I am. I think there's actually among a lot of Michigan State people, I think there's been an overcorrection in terms of the f- supposed flaws with Xavier Booker. Yeah, I think people are more down. This kid is an immense talent. Immense. Yeah, I I could probably name on one hand the number of guys Izzo has had who were in the same ballpark in terms of their potential. Jaron Jackson would be not too many other people. <laughs> I mean, it really, it's a short list. On one really. finger. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's just very rare that you see guys with his size and his ability to move at his ball skills. I mean, that doesn't mean he's without flaws, but it's, it's for real. So it just depends. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to sit here in April and worry about, well, is this guy going to take to this? Well, playing fewer minutes than he thought he would, but I leave that up to Tom Izzo because you know what? Most of the time he gets those things, right? Yep. This is not his first rodeo. It's not the first time he's been in this scenario. It's also worth considering. I'll, I'll mention this too. When you are in these situations when Michigan state's been in them before, it has oftentimes worked out that somebody ends up being a surprise. We look at it and think, well, these guys played X minutes last year. So of course they're going to continue in that role. And this guy, it's relevant to somebody like Garrett Norman. We've probably already got people thinking that he should be everything just aside of red shirting this year. I don't assume that. Because I saw Draymond Green force his way into a role with an extremely deep, experienced team as a freshman. Yeah. And by the end of that year, he was a critical part of that team. I saw Xavier Tillman do the same thing in 2018 with that loaded team and all that talent, all that depth. And by the end of the year, Xavier Tillman was playing a significant role. Nobody saw that coming. So. I also don't make assumptions about what those freshmen are going to do. Any of the four from that perspective, I I do think the other thing it's worth mentioning with these guys is they all bring some things that Michigan state did not have on its team last year. Booker, obviously Michigan state did not have a freak like that (laughs) because that's what he is. They didn't have anybody with Cohen Carr's horsepower. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a whole other deal that Michigan state did not have. I mentioned already, they didn't have somebody on the wing with the size that Garrett Norman possesses. And then Jeremy fears. Uh, he's the one that I, I can't say they don't, they didn't have anybody who does some similar things, but he has a level of confidence and assertiveness. Like, like I think, Trey Holloman, I really like his game uh, in terms of its potential. I don't think we've seen anywhere near the best of what Trey Holloman has to give. But Trey Holloman, we talked about it. At times, he got into trouble because he lacked confidence in his own offensive game. Right. You know, he was hesitant to look for his own shot. And that seemed to get a little better toward the end of the year, but it's a process. I'm going to be shocked if Jeremy Fierce has those problems. Now, whether he'll make those shots remains to be seen, but I'm going to be shocked if he lacks the confidence to take them. Yeah, no question. And if if he defends 
and runs an offense the way I think he will, Michigan State's depth. I mean, we're already talking about those starting three guards as just they're as good as anybody in the country. There's, I don't know that there's another group I'd trade them for. There isn't. There isn't when I consider that those guys have experience of playing together. They're working on their third year together. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's unheard of, right? And now you're adding in fears. You've got a sophomore, Trey Holloman, Norman. I think Carr will play on the wing at times, if not a lot. Um, that backcourt group is insanely deep behind the, those three starters who have played, <laughs> yeah. you know, tons and tons of minutes. I wouldn't trade Michigan state's guard situation for anybody's. Yeah. I think they're the best in the country right now. When you factor everything in, including the fact that those three starters have played together so much, you know, I was just reading today. Somebody was crowing about how Houston, you know, Houston has lost, a couple of guys, one to the NBA draft, one to the transfer portal. They brought in two transfers and somebody was calling, Oh, it's the best backcourt in the, in the country. Well, maybe, but I haven't seen those guys play together. I've seen Hogard Walker and Akins <laughs> play together. Yeah. They're the best in my eyes. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up there. Cause, and we'll come back to you guys. Uh, we're going to, we're going to work on lots of extra features this summer. And spring, I should say, it's still, it's barely spring. What am I t- <laughs> jumping ahead of myself here? I'll try and uh, try and maybe do a little um, money ball update at some point. Uh, just to give a brief update, the bracket challenge, I finally, you know, last time we spoke, I didn't really have this stuff in front of me here, so Rod, but it's all complete now. And we're still looking for two winners. And this is the problem <laughs> with it on ESPN, their site. I have no idea who these people are. And so I have no way of contacting you either. I thought for sure it'd be easy to do. It is a, I can't find a way to email people. So I've had one of the winners, the, the actual winner, got a hold of me. But our number two, Big Jer, Big Mo, I, Jerry, haven't heard from you, so you please uh, reach out to me, eric at tffinots.com. Uh, uh, also, Enoch Goat, so E-N-O-C-H-G-O-A-T. He was in third place, and so you guys all get the prizes. Uh, and then finally, turns out I actually end up in 16th place which is, uh, I, wow. Yeah. Well, you know, if you have Yukon going ways, you can, <laughs> you moved up the chart. Out quite of how bit. many? 146, how many about 145 oh, entries. Wow. So I was 16th. Uh, my son and my wife tied for 27th. Uh, next up of notables uh, is you at 55. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> almost top third. Yeah. I would say that I predicted you first, but I didn't expect you to win. How about <laughs> <laughs> well uh, right exactly uh, uh bracket dom 114th out of 145 well see there gabe, i beat him yeah, right and gabe was 139th from from nudge printing and last but okay. not least kurt from uh, gutters or brothers with that, <laughs> that just do gutters uh so which also probably a good thing to point out gabe this coming and his wife Brittany. They run Nudge Printing. They are sponsor of the show. So you want to support us, support them. You get 20% off your order if you go to nudgeprinting.com. You get great apparel. They were instrumental in the Spartan Strong. They raised over $155,000 for the Spartan Strong uh, effort for the shooting victims uh, in February 13th, I think it was. Um, so visit Nudge Printing. You can get our apparel, I either our t-shirt or hoodie. Uh, we did not, unfortunately, have an opportunity to make the Final Four is on the schedule, but it will happen at some point here. 
I can, I believe it. Uh, you can go get their stuff. It gets great Spartan apparel. Other schools are available there as well. All kinds of Michigan schools like Central, Eastern, Ferris, Grand Valley, Lake State, Alma, Calvin, Michigan Tech, Northern Michigan, Northwood University, Oakland, San, uh, Saginaw Valley State, Wayne State, and Western Michigan. They have hundreds, if not thousands, of five-star reviews. Super high quality, like I said, screen-printed material. Uh, they also have all kinds of stickers that you can put on your computer. They have wall stickers, car stickers, cornhole decals. You can get all that there. Again, 20% off if you type in Final Four and the coupon code is on checkout. And then if you're on the west side of the state, the Grand Rapids area, get a hold of Kurt Stauffer and his team. They are the brothers that just do gutters. So they just do gutters. He obviously doesn't spend any time wasting his time watching basketball <laughs> or trying to figure out his brackets. He's spending all his time doing good work on gutters. If you need them cleaned out, if you need them repaired, if you need them replaced, or if you just need to figure out what's going on and how to fix the problem of water around your house or in your roof, he's the guy to contact and the west side by Grand Rapids, Saugatuck, Holland, Muskegon, uh, Lowell. Uh, and uh, you get a hold of him as, at Kurt Stauffer at brothersgutters.com. You can find the link below on your podcast player. If you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, please go and subscribe right now. Tell your friends about it. We are a top 50 or 100, depending on the day of the week, basketball podcast. And that's of all pop podcasts, uh, basketball podcasts, professional other colleges. And so there's a huge support for Spartan nation. And we appreciate the support here from the we're putting out. And, you know, thanks not only to you for supporting these sponsors, but also uh, for supporting us, you know, just by listening and uh, by also contributing either uh, with gifts via PayPal or Venmo or on our support page. And if you've not yet gone to our website, you can go and sign up there and get on the email list. You can become part, become a part of our forum where we talk about these things uh, and then get part of a discussion with other things. And we have asked me any things and stuff like that. Um, any party words about this, this team now? I mean, I think the, the unusual thing is you're kind of reading the same, almost the same team back outside of Joey. And then you're just adding in a bunch of other stuff. Uh, so, I mean, you, this is sweet 16 this year. I think we've thought they were, you know, one free throw away from going to the elite eight and maybe final four, you know, who knows? And so, I, I mean, you got to think with, with Malik and, Tyson and then the four freshmen, assuming no major injuries, right? This is a team that you can imagine just about anything's possible. Well, I would say a couple things. Uh, speaking of the major injuries part, one of the one of the great things about this kind of depth, which is rare, you don't have it every season, is that Michigan State is in a much better position than they were say this past season right. to withstand an injury or two, you know, I mean, they, look, you want everybody healthy the whole way. Right. But if say, you know, AJ Hogard were to miss like three weeks, would they, would that be optimal? Of course not, but could they survive it? Yeah. I think they probably could, you know, they wouldn't be at their best, but they could survive it. Potentially, because you have a guy in fears coming in who I think has tremendous potential. And then you have veterans like Walker and Akins and Holloman who can also help. I mean, it's just a different or, you know, if if Malik were to get hurt, well, you have Xavier Booker, you have Cohen Carr. You've got some other guys who, at least for a period of time, could hold it down. I mean, some injuries are worse than others, of course, but. Um, I think Michigan State's depth is is going to be a huge positive 
for this team. And you know, what's funny about it is if you go back to the last season, Michigan state had anything resembling this in terms of depth, it would be 2018, but miles bridges loomed so large on that team Mm -hmm. that he would have been a guy had he been hurt that you would say, well, you're not replacing that Michigan state with this team. I don't think they have one guy who looms that large in terms of what they're, what they need to do, what they're going to be. Yes. Losing certain guys would hurt, but it's not that kind of, Oh God, we, you know, if we lose this guy for three weeks, that's four or five losses. Right. I don't think you'd look at it that way. You know, so that's a huge advantage potentially for them. Um, and, and so I think that's a big deal. And then in terms of their potential, look, I don't think they're going to be rated preseason number one. Um, I think people are going to give a lot of credit to UConn, even though they're losing some guys, but they've got a, they've got a recruiting class. That's almost as highly rated as Michigan States. And they're going to return a lot of guys from that team. Um, I also expect Duke is going to be rated ahead of Michigan state because they are coming in with a supposedly better recruiting class. And they are also, they look likely to return a lot of guys. I've actually been a little surprised by a couple of the decisions that have been made. Um, but after those two, I I don't know how many, I think it's reasonable to conclude that Michigan, I think it's a lock. Michigan state will be a preseason top 10 team and they could be a preseason top five. I feel pretty confident in that. Um, in my mind. So taking all that stuff out of the equation, just how do I see it? I, I don't think they need to limit their goals to achieve anything. I think they, they can win a national championship next year. That's, I, I feel that strongly now that we are, we got lots of time and we will spend lots of time talking about what goes into that. One thing we haven't mentioned in any of this discussion today is the five position, right? Um, but one, I expect there to be improvement there Two, I don't think it needs to be the kind of improvement that some people seem to think it does in order for this to be a national championship caliber squad, because let's face it this year, they weren't as far away from that as many people think No, with the current, you know, with whatever they got out of that position. Right. I I think the horizon is unlimited for this team. I think they can aspire to win the whole thing. And that's totally realistic as a goal. Will they do it? Hey, who knows, but they've got every reason to aim high. This, this is a team that can think about going to a final four, winning a national championship in my mind and, um, not have that be a totally realistic thing. Yeah. You know, some years it's not this year. Yeah. They, they've got enough. I mean, just the experience level is going to be off the charts. And it's, and it's not like we're talking about an Ivy League team that's got, you know, five seniors starting. <laughs> right. This is a team with a lot of talent, guys who've done a lot of things. Tyson Walker's busted Big Ten teams multiple times for 30-plus points in games. You know, he's, he's excelled in NCAA tournament games. 
A.J. Hogard has already been the member of an all-region team in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Malik Hall's done some very, very big-time things in college basketball. Jaden Akins has done some big-time things in college basketball. That's a lot. And then two McDonald's All-Americans, one of which is not probably the freakiest athlete in the country. I, man. No reason not to be excited from where I sit. Well, you've, you've talked me into getting season tickets again for next year. So I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good idea. I think <laughs> might want to hold on to those. Uh, so we'll be back in a little bit. You know, I think maybe our next discussion, unless something else happens, uh, probably is going to talk about what's going on in the big 10, as far as other teams and yeah. all the roster movements, there's all Ooh. kinds of things going on, coaching changes, upheaval, tra- transfer no portals. Surprise. I mean, all the stuff you expect, anticipate, and it will, um, I don't know, probably next week or something like that, we'll come back with that. We'll have to kind of Here's, figure out a good time. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, are you going to so, tease here with the U of M stuff? <laughs> no, I wasn't. I mean, they're just one of a cast of thousands that are complete turmoil. It's funny. I'm entertained by their situation. <laughs> we will talk about that for sure. I find it very you funny. You love it, don't you? <laughs> um, but, you know, the one team that looks like they're not going to go through very much. In addition to Michigan state, it, it depends. I guess there's one big pun intended decision that <laughs> remains is Purdue. Yeah. Purdue just added a guard. They lost a couple guys from their backcourt. And so they just added a kid. Um, but that's probably about all they'll do. I think unless Zach Eady were to leave, which is yet to be determined. If Zach Eady leaves, then it's look, the whole thing is, you know, up for grabs, who knows yeah. what they'll be. But I, you know, I look at, I look at this and I think because of talent and because of stability, you're probably looking at the two best teams in the big 10 heading into the season, likely being Michigan state and Purdue. And in part, that's just because, all these other teams are just, it's a constant churn. Yeah. And they're just, you know, you look at Illinois and you, I saw Iowa just added a big band today. Um, you know, Indiana is going through upheaval. I, I mean, it's a, it's a Michigan. It's just, it's across the board in this league. You just have, and, and we'll try to, we'll try to give people a sense of what's happening, but it's, it's a new thing every day. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the point is there are over fifteen hundred players in the portal, there, which obviously involves. I mean, that's involves every obviously almost every team. But you look at, um, well, I mean, things just change so quickly, and the portal isn't close to the eleventh, right? So people or May eleventh, I should point out, not April eleventh, May eleventh. <laughs> so a whole month from now, things could would look one way right now, and then three other players could see someone coming in, and they decide to leave, right? I mean, there's no there's no reason to be certain about anything at this point. <laughs> and so, uh, and we'll definitely get into more of the Spartan specific things as far as your team and what we, the outlook for the season, everything as we go for, forward, uh, once things get solidified, but, uh, I guess we'll just wrap it up there. And until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green. <laughs> Thank you.